Welcome to Rogue Bogues Basketball Series. Thanks for joining us again, myself and Mike Procopio. Episode 50 Pro, what did you buy me? World peace. World peace? Doesn't help me. No, it doesn't help. It's, it's complete bullshit. I, I bought you a star off one of those like scam artists online and I called it world peace. It's in the, the northwest sky. So if you want to look at it, just just it's a star. It's yours and it's uh it's going for you. Appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. I'll look after that. <laughs> What the fuck did you get me, asshole? Box of donuts. They haven't come yet? Nah. Those things won't breathe air for three seconds in this house. <laughs> no, but yeah, thanks thanks to everyone. We're episode 50 and we're inching up to a million listens. So, appreciate everyone's support, especially for the basketball series. This is the main staple that we do weekly. So, I know Pro and I appreciate it. We've got some some good following now on the on the um, calling app for some Q&A. So, be sure to join that and continue to share and join us to ask some questions every now and then. But let's get rolling. Enough of that boring stuff. Team of the week, Pro. I'm going to have to go with the Phoenix Suns again. Oof. It was a hard choice this week for both, for um, good and bad, week and week. Um, but the Suns, you know, look, they some good wins. They're on a win streak again. Um, they won five straight, six straight. I think they're five straight right now. And they've beaten, you know, the last week, Toronto, Indiana, Detroit, and San Antonio, and then finished off with a big win um, versus Dallas. Booker had 48 versus the San Antonio Spurs after the debacle with the mascot. Um, I think the Spurs were, were trolling him even more, and he dropped 48 on their head. They're just rolling, man. They're, they're a really fun team. Um, I know we didn't give them a lot of respect last year and they, they rolled in and just continue. We, we, I think we both picked against them every series they were in. <laughs> oh, no doubt. And they rolled all the no way doubt. to the, the, you know, the finals. So a lot of respect. I, I think they're starting to become. You know, obviously that well-oiled machine of even Aiden's out tonight, Booker's out tomorrow. We're, we're still going to win this game. Like we're going to win this game. I've got some good stats later in, in the useful or useless segment, but um, yeah, I got to give it to the Phoenix Suns. They've probably been the most consistent over this last week when you look at everything else going on around the league and had to give them the nod pro. Who do you have? My team of the week would be the same Phoenix Suns. I mean, I watched them against Dallas and, you know, again, like you said, next man up mentality. They, those guys are really stepping up. Those guys are really playing and they're going hard as hell. And that's where I, I see if a team's really good, Bogues. If, if they've got one of their top three players out and if they could really step up and ring the bell. And those guys have done that consistently. And I, I get to give it to them. Uh, they, they competed. They played hard. I was actually going to give it to Indiana, to be honest with you, but they won like three out of their last 10. But, um, you know, they beat the, the, the Lakers in uh, Golden State back to back. But I, I, I'm gonna give it to Phoenix. Those guys are those guys are playing at another level. A lot of people said like last year was a fluke and getting to the finals, and they're really showing that they could beat big time teams in the league consistently. And then when they when they have major personnel stepping out, they could still step up. I mean, beating Dallas at Dallas without Aiton at how Dallas has been playing is was pretty amazing. And you know, Chris Paul. And Booker and Paul and Cameron Johnson and, you know, those guys, the Aiton, when he's healthy, I mean, those guys are really, really stepping it up. It's, uh, they're pretty fun to watch. They are. They are. And they've, they've got every chance to, to repeat that performance and maybe go one step further. So as long as they stay injury free, I think, uh, um, they, they, they're, they're really rolling. Team of the week. 
a team that hasn't had a great week, bro. Now, this might surprise some people, bro. This might be controversial. Um, That's what we do here. But I'm going the Golden State Warriors, bro. I'm going the Golden State Warriors. There wasn't a whole lot of teams. I mean, maybe Bar Orlando, Detroit, the world that um, have had horrible runs. It's been everyone's kind of been five and five or six and four. The Warriors are four and six in their last 10, bro. I think Clay coming back has given them an energy boost. But it's also, it's also, you know, made that roster a little clunky now because. There's reports that Jordan Poole's a little frustrated with his role, so you got to coincide that with not having as much freedom to hoist up, you know, good shots, bad shots at times because you're not, you know, with Clay and Steph out there now, there's not a whole lot of shots, so you're probably more of a role-playing guard when you're out there with those two, right? Um, there's that factor. I think four and six is probably complementary too. You know, they, they got lucky last night against Houston. It took Steph Curry to hit a hit a buzzer-beating uh, three, and he, he looked visibly frustrated last night. I caught a bit of that game. He was just visibly frustrated by the way by the way they were playing i think it just it just seemed like you know i think the warriors are in that they're in that dog days of the season portion of the season that every team goes through where they're just like let's just keep rolling and get to the playoffs healthy and i think teams are sneaking up on them like you said indiana was a bad loss for them and i think what what else this solidifies to me is how important draymond green is people that know basketball know how important he is to this team but there's a lot of people that don't there's a lot of people that pick up a stat sheet and six points eight rebounds Five assists, ugh, that's nothing. Why is he even being spoken about with LeBron at times or, you know, performance-wise? Well, now you see, that's the Rudy Gobert effect, right? He's, he's so important to what they do. And his stats are usually pretty good. You know, he's, he's close to triple-doubles most nights. But it's all the other stuff he he does. He gets Clay and Steph open because he knows, he knows their movement patterns. He knows what they're doing. He's very good defensively, can switch one through five. So, they're, they're my team of the week. It might be a little controversial, Warriors fans. I'm sorry, but the, the, I don't think this has been a great week. And and, and look, the, even the wins they've had haven't been like, wow, they really played well. I think they got lucky with some of those, bro. Yeah, I agree. I, I watch those guys almost every night when they played the last five or six days. And it, it seems like they're fucking with the game a little bit. You know, possessions, some possessions, you just like looking at yourself with the shot selection and some of the things they do, the turnovers, uh, you know, some of the plays that they make. And I think you're right. I think dog days is a definite way to put it. I had uh, extensive conversations with Kevin McHale about the 80 Celtics. And I mean, those are great teams. Like right now, Golden State is in a great team. You don't know where Golden State is, even though they're doing really well. You know, you don't know where they're going to be with Clay and Draymond. You obviously think they're going to be really good. But like they're, you know, the Celtics, I mean, the dynasty, just like, you know, Golden State when, when they had it rolling as well. But like Kevin told me that, hey, there were times where we just messed with the game. We were bored. We were that good in 86 where like there'll be times where, you know, out of the first quarter, down 12, down 13. And then we just sort of have to step it up. Halftime we'd be down and then we would just be sleepwalking and then we'd be like, all right, we're going to turn it on. But that was the 86 Celtics. Right now, these guys aren't whole yet. You know, Thompson's not fully healed. You know, Green's bad on some stuff. You know, obviously Steph's doing his deal. But their team, their team's still missing some things. And they can't afford just to shut it off and turn it on when they want until they're really back, back. And obviously, they haven't been together long enough to really do that. And I think that, like, you got to look at yourself in game and be like, we can't mess with the game. Yeah, I know it's a little boring. It's dog days. It's January. We're we're looking at all-star break. Where the fuck we're going on vacation and all that stuff. We're looking at all that. We get it. But, like, you have to finish this thing. And that's what championship teams do. And, 
like you got to look at it and, and to say like, look, we can't allow ourselves to sort of play down to our competition. When we play Indiana, when we play Houston, we play teams like that. We got to destroy those guys. We got to blow them out. We got to be up 18 after the first quarter and just like up 28 at halftime. And then we could sort of take it easy a little bit. But, you know, you just can't sleepwalk through three and a half quarters and expect just to step it up in the bottom of the fourth and, you know, figure it out. It's, you know, these teams shoot the ball too well. There's playmakers everywhere. You, you know, teams could really surprise you, especially if you keep them in games long enough. And you got to be able to kill them. And, yeah, the Golden State, you know, in this last week or so, haven't been doing that. And they, you know, look, it's, you know how it's going to be. Those guys will play together. And by the end of the year, everything's going to be great. But this past week, yeah, it was, uh, it's pretty frustrating. Yeah, I'm not panicking. I'm not panicking with them. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not sitting yeah. here saying, holy shit, panic stations. I'm just, just stating the obvious. They haven't had, they haven't had a great week, even though they've won a couple of those games. They're, they've just kind of sleepwalked through this last week. And, you know, it, it, it's fact. The one positive for me, and that's, this is what I'm going to say, when you've got these opportunities through injury or a starter being out, Kaminga's taken that opportunity well. Like, he's, he, he, he's had some great games for him and, and shown Steve Kerr that he might be able to crack that rotation, even with Draymond Green back. So there is a silver lining there but the Jordan Poole thing is a little frustrating because they you know we were talking about in this pod you know months ago holy shit when they get clay back factored in with the way they're playing and Jordan Poole's now coming into his own you probably have to play Poole as a Jordan Clarkson role probably on this roster with clay fully healthy but we thought Mm -hmm. it'd be be a godsend of a roster but this is what you deal with on on you know NBA rosters I mean Jordan Poole's got some frustration on one of the best teams in the league because his shot numbers are going to now dry up and his role and how much they trust him on offense is going to be diminished because you've got an elite Clay Thompson back healthy, you know, and that's that's half the stress that you have as a, as a head coach with these kind of things. Were, were they your team as well? Surely not. No, no. I thought about it though, to be honest. I, I did sort of think of it in the back of my head, but the New York Knicks for me were my team of the week. They lost three games, all three games this week, all three games at home this week. You know, they lost to Charlotte, lost to Minnesota, lost to New Orleans, all at home. And they got to show a little bit more fight than this. I know they're, you know, they're battling a little bit of injury, but like they, they can't be losing three games at home. They're losing right now. They're sort of like in the standings. They're losing things. They're, they're sort of on a down tick. They're, you know, right now they're 11 and I don't think they could fall into like Indiana territory or Detroit territory, but they're seven and a half games out. They're only a half game out of 10. But still, like, they can't afford to be losing three in a row at home to three teams that you can beat. I'm not saying they should go three and oh, but they gotta fight. They gotta fight through this. These are, you know, these are the dog days, like you said, and, and you gotta be able to compete. And I just didn't see that compete and that fight out of the Knicks like I usually do. You know, Tom Thibodeau usually have those guys ready to go and, you know, they just sort of haven't gotten it done, in my opinion. And losing three at home to those opponents, eh. Can't do Not that. the greatest. Yeah, and what what no. I mean by the dog days is like whether you're whether you're thirty and ten at this point or whether you're ten and you know, ten and thirty, there's always a portion of a season where you you're kind of punching the clock to an extent, as hard as that is for fans to hear, uh, where you think 
you know, we'll be right. We're Golden State. We've got Steph. We've got, we've got Clay. I'll just roll up and just I'll kind of be in cruise control mode and let them carry us. And that's when you get stung by some of these younger teams that, that aren't, you know, some of these teams coming into Golden State winning like Indiana, they're not probably competing for a playoff spot. They're, they're maybe a plane if they go on a massive roll, but that's, they're the dog days of the NBA. Every team goes through it. And even pro talking about the Celtics of old, the 80s Celtics, they go through it. The Lakers, Showtime Lakers went through it. The, you know, everyone goes, the only team I've ever been on that didn't go through it was the 73 and nine Warriors. I don't think we lost two games in a row that season, which is amazing. And that was one team that, you know, because we were chasing that record, right? But most teams, you're going to have a bad couple of weeks, uh, maybe in December and then maybe again in February. The good teams make those – that week is a week, pro. It's not – the bad teams, that week turns into what? <laughs> Two weeks, three weeks, a month. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, holy shit, where's All-Star break? And we're, 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 you know, 15 games below 500. So, every team goes through it. It's just a matter of having the coaching staff, having the system, having the players, having the veterans to be like, okay, like we've we've sucked. Let, come on, guys. Let's go. It's time to turn it on. And good teams will, will usually have two or three weeks combined bad. And the rest is is at an elite level. You'll make the playoffs and you have a chance to be in a conference finals and finals. And that's um, I still think the Warriors will be somewhere in there. But the Knicks, man, they're, they're just, yeah, they're, they're, they've been real frustrating. I, I thought they'd make a bigger jump this season. Um, I really did. I thought they'd, you know, just just a little bit, maybe three or four more wins, you know, but they've they've gone the other way, which you don't really you don't really see with a Thibs coach team. This is, you know, usually they're one of the, he's one of those coaches that gets improvement year on year. You, you know, a noticeable improvement. We haven't seen that this season. Julius Randles hasn't been great. Um, the fans are in his head. He's gone back and forth with the with the home team fans, and then you know they're tough in New York there, so that that doesn't help the situation. And I don't think he's sneaking up on anyone either, pro anymore. You know, he, he had a fantastic year last season. I think that pressure and that you're all of a sudden the star of New York, where you, you're number one on our scouting report. Like we know who you are. We, we, we know we stop we stop you from getting easy buckets. The Knicks are going to struggle to score, and I think that's what we're seeing. So I'll be I'll be really following their journey to see if they they make a little jump here and try to make a, a decent seeded playoff push but it's, it's not looking good no not looking good at all not not right now but you know it, it's still early but they still they don't have any great players in their team they've got a bunch of good players solid they got a great coach as far as getting you prepared to to go to battle but now they're gonna have to sort of get tough and they're gonna have to to make plays and they're gonna have to you know really just sort of be efficient play hard every night and compete on both ends of the floor Agreed. We'll watch that space. All right, this is going to be a long segment, I think. Lakers, bro. Mm-hmm. The Lakers. What an absolute shit show we are seeing. Not only not only their on-court performance, bro, but the PR pushes from that franchise, the, you know, trying to blame XYZ. We're going to get into that a little bit, but it's it's, it's been bad. So much so that there was, a, there was a leak last week going into the Jazz game that Frank Vogel is on the hot seat. He's coaching for his job. Versus the Jazz, whether it was tomorrow or, or tonight, where whenever the article was written, after a 37-point loss to the Nuggets. That gets leaked. Then it gets leaked that he's being evaluated on a game-by-game basis. This is like this is a coach pro that's won a championship for the Los Angeles Lakers. With with albeit, I think they had a, a good roster. I don't think they were elite roster-wise. I think they, there was some luck along the lines there, and LeBron had a fantastic year, but I, I think- that roster, I don't think anyone could have coached them to a championship. It wasn't that they weren't Golden State. You know what I'm saying? With with KD, Steph, Clay, and Draymond, they were they still needed to be coached. He's won them a championship. You know, someone from there is going to leak that he's evaluated on a game by game basis in, in the, at the end of January. I mean, the leaks just continue so much so that now Westbrook's been thrown into that um, that basket of of, of scapegoating. 
So I don't know if you saw this leak, but there was a leak that report the coaching staff had reportedly emphasized to take away Levert's right hand and Westbrook didn't angle him properly. That was the reason he was benched a few games ago. I think it was Indiana, wasn't it? That was the reason why he was benched. Who the, so someone in your coaching staff is leaking to the media or somebody to get that to a journalist is absolutely mind mind boggling to me. Like so, anyhow, so much so you move on. Now there's there's war for Westbrook rumors, trade rumors. I scratch my head and why I think it's a nothing trade, but we know Wall is with LeBron's LeBron's agency. So much so, I think the best take on all of this. Charles Barkley's pro, um, and I'll finish this, and then you can give me your thoughts. But quote from Barkley: "The Lakers are such wussies." He went on to say he would have used a different word if he wasn't on wasn't on television. Um, the way they are throwing Vogel and Westbrook under the bus is really pissing me off. The people up top who put that trash together are running and hiding like cowards, saying, oh, it's Frank, oh, it's Russell. You put them old geezers out there. And then he went on to say, which I think was a very valid point, the best guy on your roster besides LeBron in the last month has been Stanley Johnson. This is in Charles Barkley's opinion. For you to be bringing a guy in off the street and he's now your second best player is just ridiculous. And this is exactly what we said a couple of weeks ago, Pro. We said, I don't know if you remember, I said, why is everyone pointing the fingers at, at Vogel and, and, and Russ? What about Rob Palinka? He just continues to, to just quietly hide under the desk while everything around him is on fire. He put this roster together. He made these genius home run attempts with these trades and it is just a shit show. I hate, you know, I think at times coaches need to be fired and need to be moved on, but to do this to a championship winning coach, if he didn't have a championship, I still don't agree with it, but he's, he's won you a fucking ring to actually say that he's on coaching on a game by game basis. He's coaching for his life. He, this is what, you know, I just, I scratch my head pro. The fact that the Re- Russell Westbrook, he missed a scout. That's why we we benched him. I think everyone's starting to jump ship. The Titanic is sinking and everyone's trying to save themselves. Pro. That, that's what I'm reading with this. You know, folks, it's unbelievable that owners that have all these corporations and businesses they run outside of basketball would run a billion-dollar side hustle the way that some NBA teams have run. And what happens with the Lakers is they – they try to, like you said, hit home runs. First of all, there's not a, a trade, a transaction, a dollar that's spent that's not okayed by, you know, by LeBron and Clutch. So the Westbrook trade, signing Carmelo, you know, all of this had to be okayed by him and by those guys. It's a hundred percent. But not only that, folks, Bus is getting feedback and getting decisions made, not by Palenka, but by Kurt Rambis and his wife, Linda Rambis. Now, Kurt Rambis was a role player in the 80s, you know, played there for a long time, coached with, you know, was an assistant coach there, coached with Phil Jackson. And he's the one evaluating the coach. He's the one that, you know, hires the coaches, you know, has a big voice in that walk. Does he have a title there? And that Does he have an official title? Yeah, he, he's like an official, like, he's like a basketball consultant, basketball operations consultant. Mm. And Linda is his wife, who's best friends with Jeannie Buss. So, and she, from what I, what I was told, Bogues, is she's doing trade calls with agents. <laughs> no, That's what I've not. heard from a really good, yes, uh, not trade calls with teams, but we're calling agents to try to get things done. See, Jeannie Buss is very, you know, she, there's a lot of influence with old past Lakers, right? So a few, a few games ago, Magic Johnson, shocker, tweets out, Jeannie Buss, you know, you deserve better than this. So, of course, she gets all flustered and then decides to, of course, instead of doing what most championship teams do and say, you know what, we're okay, 
what you know we'll, we're going to steer the ship however we're going to steer it they start doing all this stuff you know kurt rambis demands to be in coaching meetings with vogel and his staff you know linda rambis is doing her thing you know everybody's trying to throw everybody under the bus look this team was put together pretty poorly westbrook look westbrook's a good player right but it's just a bad fit with lebron that's it it's got nothing to do with westbrook's him personally. the number one guy like it is yeah. what it is like can you win with him or not who knows but Every team yeah. has been on for him to have maximum impact. The usage has gone through Russ. So we said this from the start. How the how the hell are you putting him next to LeBron, who is a number one usage guy, whether he's fifty years old or twenty, that loves right. to have guys that can play off him to shoot the three ball? You're basically putting another guy that's similar to him next to him. It's you could. I mean, Einstein. I mean, you don't. You didn't have to be Einstein to work that shit out. Like it was. It was blatantly obvious. How, how are you gonna? How are you gonna share the ball usage wise between Russ and, and LeBron? And then you got Davis to factor in there as well. <laughs> like, and don't forget, Bogues, that they could have made a trade for Kyle Lowry in the offseason, but they held it up because of Tail and Horton Tucker, which ironically is a clutch client. So, you know, they were saying that he's untradeable, he's untouchable. And I'm sitting there watching clip after clip after clip after clip. And I'm saying, look, I don't get what people are seeing in this kid where he's untouchable. If you have trades, you know, that you could make, and get him to get Kyle Lowry, which would be a lot. I'm not a huge Kyle Lowry fan, but he's a lot better fit than Russ because he doesn't need the ball like that where he's a scorer and he can shoot it a little bit better and he, he could play, you know, he could play that style a little bit better with LeBron. So you do that, you, you know, first of all, like it all starts with a couple of things. First of all, they gave away Zubach from Mike Muscala a couple of years ago. I thought that was a huge, <laughs> that was I thought the that was a deal ever, man. That to me, that wasn't a smart deal. I don't understand why you made it, whatever. Now, then you've got everybody by the balls with Anthony Davis. Like you, well, you knew that he was coming either in free agency and trade, and you just gave up way too much to get him in town to get Davis in town. You know, Clutch was running that. You had that done. You could have gave a little less. So now you way overpaid for him. So now you got LeBron and him together. Now you put you had Kuzma on the roster. You had some other pieces. You know, um, you signed Montrez Harrell. You got Pope. You got you know you got you know when they won the championship they didn't have a perfect roster but it wasn't like there wasn't a lot of ball dominant guys besides LeBron and and AD. You know, you had Rondo sort of knew how to navigate off the bench to sort of, you know, to take the ball to LeBron James' hands at times and sort of distribute. And 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 they won that way. And then they t they made the trade for Russ, which they didn't have to make, but they made because they have to put a, a quote-unquote other superstar in town. But look, I don't think Russ is a number one guy anymore, in my opinion. And you're going to win a championship. I think he's a very good player. Don't get me wrong. But a bad fit there. And he's not going to carry you. He, he just his DNA with LeBron's DNA. And you just can't. And then AD needs the ball. And then these other role players you got, like, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker's an average player, a little bit above average. Kent Bazemore is sort of on the way out. Wayne Ellington, you know, Avery Bradley, you know, these guys, you know, Carmelo's actually done decent for him. I mean, he does what he does. He comes in, he posts up, he, you know, mid range game, shoots some threes, but like they just don't have enough. And the problem is they can't compete for a championship anymore. They're done with that. Because they're rot you can't move. You get the only move they can make is Anthony Davis because no one's giving you anything for Westbrook unless you're gonna get John Wall. And and that's just gonna be that's just gonna be groundhog day. You're not trading LeBron, obviously. And then AD you can trade, but what are you gonna get? You're gonna get Brown from Boston, you're gonna get 
who, who are you going to get? Like, who's giving you that package of players for Anthony Davis? Yeah, you're going to get some good players. Don't get me wrong. But like, that's not going to help you win a championship. You're probably going to get, you'll probably get a little bit less than what you have in AD. That's going to be a tough one. But that whole like Rambus thing and, and look, I've said this a million times. First of all, I said it six weeks ago that, you know, Vogel's going to be on the hot seat and probably out, be out by All-Star break. And because he's the easiest guy to blame. The second easiest guy to blame is Westbrook, you know, because of the fact he's not playing great. He's not shooting it well. There's a million TikTok videos of him bricking 22 shots in a row. You know, I get it. But, you know, it's not Vogel's fault. Coaches are almost irrelevant in this league. No offense to coaches. But, like, it's your talent. Like your talent is your talent. Now your coach, like you, if you have a terrible coach, I get it. That could be bad for you. But all these coaches could do okay, especially with the talent that you have. They just don't have the talent. It's not this guy's fault. And there's no other coach in the roster that's going to coach this team. Like there's no other assistant coach that's going to be way better than Vogel. You know, the, well, coach like, in the league, I, arguably. Yeah. Like, who you? Who's getting this? What you? Know, you you could hire a, hire a Hall of Fame coach and maybe get an extra five wins. Like we spoke about, this roster is the oldest roster in the league. They're the slowest. We, we spoke about this in stats. Yeah. Even even the other decision, you bring in Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan together, they're exactly the same player. Yeah. Even that decision, what are you doing? Like we, we, we spoke about if you've got a Dwight or a DeAndre, my second big would be a Miles Leonard type. He was available. All right, he's had the issues off the court, but it's a completely different, you know, then you can put Miles, Miles in the corner. With LeBron and, and no one's leaving Miles, it spreads the floor for him, right? If you want to go a smaller lineup or a three-point shooting lineup. But even the, the Dwight DeAndre thing, you're like, you've, you've signed two of the same players that are going to be coming off the bench now anyway because they go small ball with Davis at the five when he's healthy. What are you doing? <laughs> like it, It's just like, oh, that's a, that's a good big name for us. We'll sign him. Oh, that guy was good three, four years ago. Should, you know, With LeBron, it would be great. And you're just like, the way I equate Westbrook and LeBron together, I equate that to you having some cash as, as a as a team in free agency, and you sign Kyle Korver, JJ Redick, and, and and Tony Snell, and you're like, hey, can, can one of you guys create create for us? <laughs> no, yeah. you've signed three feet set shooters. Like that's what they do. You've done this with LeBron and, and Westbrook. You've you've signed two guys that are flirting with triple doubles every night. They get in the paint, they put pressure on the paint, but they need shooters around them. But they they just don't complement each other. It's quite simple. Yeah, I mean, it's just I think when you're just addicted to getting names, folks. And you don't think about how they're going to impact your winning and your roster and your locker room and things like that. And you just want to get these names. You see it done in football all the time. Like the Arizona Cardinals in football, they sign a lot of these like free, like free agents and players that were Hall of Fame players, but they're four or five years past their prime, three years past their prime. And that's what they did here. Like they're role players. Like, like being a GM is not the hardest thing in the world when you have cap room and you're in LA and you're signing a player or you're trading for a player. I think the hardest thing as a, a, a GM where you really earn your money is how do you fill that not, that seven spot, eight spot, nine spot, 10 spot, those role players that you bring in that are going to really complement your stars. You know, bringing in Rajon Rondo was great for them a couple years back, you know, because he sort of it was the equalizer off the bench. Guys like that are really useful. And like they have a couple of those guys that are decent, but it's just now the little moves that you made, the zoo botches, not trading, not trading Taylor Horton Tucker. You know, why not keep Kuzma and Caruso. Montrez? Caruso. Yeah. 
and giving away Caruso, mm. all those things really come back. And look, it's easy to be Monday morning quarterback. You know, I would not have made the Russell Westbrook trade. I would have definitely traded Horton Tucker for sure, because I don't know what people see in him besides being a hard playing kid that's good in transition, good cutter, good straight line driver that can't really make a shot, can't play make, and can't really be a guy that you can rely on to carry your team. And you can get Kyle Lowry for him. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. But look, I'm not running the team. And then like the DeAndre Jordan plus Dwight Howard effect, I, especially with the, the game going so small, I don't understand. I don't understand what they're trying to do there. And now they're in trouble. But you know how it's going to be, Bogues. And most NBA organizations, the same thing. They're going to leak stuff out to the media. It's this person's fault, not this person's fault. Vogel's going to be the going to be the first one to go. And it's 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 a shot. It's just stupid because no coach is going to make a difference. Look, first of all, LeBron James is LeBron James. He's not he doesn't care who your coach is. You know, he's he's going to do what he does. And you know, so any coach you get there, there are only a couple of coaches that could demand his respect. And that, that that's just the way it is. So yeah, that's tough for Vogel. He just probably does his thing. He's a very smart guy. I've been around him. I've known him, you know, for 25 years. And the guy's really smart. He's a good coach. He's battled his way up. He's done it in Indiana. In Indiana, you know, he had his. He didn't have a great time in Orlando coaching, but you now comes has? back with them. <laughs> yeah, who the fuck has? Who the fuck has? But yeah, that's it, folks. It's just a shit show. I just hate to Again. see it, bro. I just hate to see the leaks. Those leaks just kill me because it's just like it's clear scapegoat. Like. He's coaching for yeah. his life in fucking January. Like, oh, he's, we bench Russ because he missed a scouting report. Like, come on, man. Like, you really, do, uh, yeah. just the fact that someone on that assistant coaching bench leaked that to someone within PR of the Lakers to then leak it to a journalist. That's when you know that house of cards is, it's, it's, it's one joker away from falling the fuck down and, and absolutely going, going bad. Well, it kind of already has. Both. You saw fucking Titanic, right? You saw like grown ass men dressing up as pregnant women to get on those fucking lifeboats. That's what NBA assistants are. When shit starts getting bad, they start fucking leaking. They got to save their job. They want to try to get the head job. There's a lot of shit that happens on staffs, man. I'll tell you what, I, you know, watch your fucking wallet around those motherfuckers. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just hate to see it. I think it lacks professionalism. But you're right. Everyone's, like we said, everyone, that ship's sinking. Everyone's trying to jump off with whatever bit of jewelry and cash they can and save themselves and, and hopefully get yeah. You know, get re-signed by, by the, the buses and the Lakers or, or whatever it is. So, hate to see it. And plus, you're taking coaching advice from Kurt Rambis. He's like <laughs> 35 and 125 as a head coach. Well, you might as well take nutrition advice from me. Yeah, but what you said about the trade, that his wife's making trade calls, Jesus Christ, if that's pretty good source. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, yeah, very good source. When you're a best friend with, like, when you're a best friend with, again, these billionaires, they just, they listen to everybody. They listen, especially their close people. And again, like, what does she know about Running an NBA team, not bust, but when you know, but Rambus, it's crazy. Again, the Lakers arguably are probably the fifth top five organization in pro sports. The most like everybody knows in the, the Lakers. world, probably. You know, yeah, 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 in the world, besides the Yankees, Real Madrid, Barcelona. the Dallas Cowboys, mm. Barcelona, there aren't many that are more. Like Iconic. more yeah. popular than those guys. And to be run like this and then everybody pointing fingers. Again, you got billionaires that, that would never run their real businesses like they run their NBA teams. 
and like this, like they would never have this hijinks going around. Like your CEO is getting fucking advice from their Starbucks barista, like and, and trying to make. That's what they're doing. It makes a mean that's latte. That's what you fucking uh, doing. Makes a mean latte. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, we'll watch this space. I'm enjoying it because I like seeing big markets go through all this. But you just—it's just funny when the big markets go through this. It's—it's it's even worse than a small market. You got to give credit to the Spurs and OKC. That you know they're struggling right now. You don't see any of this from them. You don't see any of these leagues. They—they—they're much more professional with the way they run things. And the Lakers is, is showtime when it's good, and, and it's—it is showtime when it's bad. So hopefully no more content for the pod. Did you see the? Uh, you obviously saw it, but for everyone out there, the uh, an assistant coach huh. with the Nets was a Vanderpool. Yeah, Vanderpool. Yeah, yeah. He um he put his hand out during live play, so someone swung <laughs> the ball. For those of you that would be on YouTube, if you want to um look it up, someone swung the ball, went to throw it to Kyle Kuzma in the corner, and he was assistant coach standing. He put his arm out, actually touched the ball and deflected it, and then it went off. They caught it off Kuzma, right? I, I believe, yeah. and. It was a huge, huge. It was. It was. A, I think there was about four minutes left, so it was a crucial possession. Um, it wasn't late, late game, but it was a crucial possession. But pro. Mm-hmm. That is money well spent. He got fined $10,000 <laughs> by the league. Now, my question to you is, Pro, you're an assistant coach, you're a team owner, you're a head coach. Would you pay $10,000 to guarantee a win for yourself? Oh, for sure you would. Yeah. For sure you would. Like, I can't yeah. believe it was only 10K. I think you got to go hard on that one because that you can really affect the- Imagine that was- the last 30 seconds of a game, you're you're down two and they swing it to, you know, one of the best shooters in the league, uh, you know, Kyle Corver in the corner. He's about to catch it wide open because his defender fell down. <laughs> assistant coach deflects it, <laughs> goes out of bounds. And you win the game, you're like, here's your check for 10K. We'll take that any fucking day. Like, man, you, you spend that every game. You know, folks, like, I don't like this stuff in the NBA with, you see, four coaches standing up. You got players standing up, going nuts on those sidelines. It might be fun for them. It might be the fans might sort of like it. I just think it's a complete shit show. Like you got too many people standing up and going nuts on that sideline and then- Dancing and all kinds of shit going on. Yeah, look, I get it. Guys want to have fun. I get it. But like you're trying to coach a game. It is a professional game, right? Look, if you're going to let the players up, whatever, okay, I I get it. But the assistant coaches, everyone's up coaching. Like they got like eight head coaches on the fucking sideline. You got, you know, it's just- you got to maintain that professionalism on that bench. That is unprofessional though. To like, look, it's, it's, it is a little funny and it's awesome that they only cost them 10 grand to get a win. But like, it is unprofessional. You're an assistant coach. You're trying to be a head coach. You saw, you know, you thought you got fucked out of being a head coach in Minnesota. And now you're an assistant coach, you know, playing defense on the sideline. I think that the league at some point has to look at what's going on in that sideline and be like, you know what, head coach, you could be up, you know, training personnel. If you got to be up to 10 to a player, great. But you got to sit there to sit the fuck down. It's just getting a little too, a little too wild on that fucking sideline. But it was pretty entertaining. It was pretty fucking funny to see that. But on the other end, it's oh, not it's bad. It's yeah, not it's good. a bad it's look. Not, I don't think it's good. I think it's, I think it's funny that it was only 10K. I think, I think that's a 50 to 100K fine. I think it's a big one. Um, whether you yeah. find the team or, or the individual. I would have done 10 games. I would have done 10 games. Easily, I would have done 10 games. You're trying to represent the NBA it's integrity. and the organization. It's the, integrity of yeah. the, it's the integrity of the game, which is bigger than the NBA and, and the team. It's, it's yeah. the integrity and the purity of the game. You know, People can then say that's cheating. It can affect betting. It can affect so many different things, the the snowball effect. It, that's why I brought it up. I, I just think 10K is a slap on the wrist. And if I'm, if I'm an assistant or I'm a head coach, I'm telling my assistants, hey, if you've got an opportunity to do that shit again and it costs us 10K and you, you win me the game, I'll pay you fine for you because you're going to say, if I'm Frank, Frank Vogel right now, <laughs> I'm like, hey. Oh, yeah. 
10K to save my job per game. Where do I sign? Where do I sign? No doubt. You know what I mean? So, hopefully the NBA cleans that up. I'm sure they'll send out that standard memo to all the teams in the the league that you got to count. Uh, They get a read through and it's saying, next time is going to be way more harder. You better not do this, blah, blah, blah. But watch that space. Simmons for Harden's trending pro. Um, Not sure how valid that is. You know, there's been a billion Simmons trades. Maury just just reportedly actually said that he's got deals from Sacramento that work on paper. I don't know why he would say that, but he just said that a couple of hours ago. So, I just read that. But the the big name one is, is Simmons for Harden. That was Kyrie early on before the um before he started playing again, but now it's now it's Harden. I don't see Brooklyn doing that pro. Um, do you? No, I, I don't. I don't. It, it- I think that any move that Philly GMs sort of tend to do this when you're all hot and bothered to get a player like a, any like one player like Daryl Morey's got uh, a fixation on James Hart. I mean, he thinks he's one of the best offensive players, if not the best offensive player of all time. He he's like he propelled his own career based off Harden's play when he got him in Houston. He's gonna want to get him. And I don't think if I'm Brooklyn, I'm not fucking my team up right now to do that. Although I've heard that Harden, if he doesn't stay in Brooklyn, is going to weigh heavily to try to get to Philly. And I think any trade that that's why Philly's trying to get rid of Tobias Harris's deal, because they're trying to clear money to try to get Harden in free agency. So they're really trying to, you know, sort of clear as much money as they can and try to get do anything possible to get them so it doesn't surprise me that they're trying to make that deal it it's in my opinion it won't happen i've heard more like simmons to indiana for sabonis and you know something else or whatever so i don't see i don't see the heart in it because brooklyn's look brooklyn's on a mission to win a championship do you think brooklyn do you think brooklyn's genuinely would move harden i mean obviously the right deals there but do, do you think that there's a panic there that they oh, shit we're going to lose him in free agency anyway is that why they're looking to move him or is it just do you think this is just all fluff i think there is a little bit of a of of probably of unknown of what's going to happen in free agency with him but i think that the only thing that they can do is because if you trade him you're not winning a championship you're not, you're, if you're going to get Simmons for him, you're not winning a championship. So the only thing you can do, Bogues, in my opinion, is win a championship and keep him because then you can pay him whatever you want. So the only thing that they can do is just, you know what, let's put our heads down. Let's maybe this whole thing with, you know, with Kyrie's going to sort of, you know, work in our favor. They're going to let him play in the playoffs, you know, fingers crossed on that. And let's get Durant healthy. Let's get Harden together. You know, they, look, they've put all their chips or all their eggs in this basket with Harden, with Kyrie Harden and Durant. You know, they got a couple of nice other players in the roster as well. But like, they can't just, they, they traded every pick, they traded all their assets away to get this thing done. They're not going to just say, you know what, we're going to like take a step back, we get Simmons now. You don't know how healthy Durant's going to be long-term. You don't know how healthy Irving's going to be long-term. Like, you're not going to, Right, set the reset button, not total rebuild, but you're going to go back doing this. They're going to keep Harden, in my opinion. They're not going to make a move, you know, and then they're going to try to see this thing through a championship and then figure it out in free agency to to try to retain them. But they got to be all in to try to win a championship. I think this deal sets them back. You know, Simmons is just too much of an unknown. And Harden, at least you know what you're going to get from Harden every night. I agree. Yeah, I think for Brooklyn... I would I wouldn't make that deal. I mean, uh, I think they need the shooting yeah. around KD and Kyrie and and 
and Harden provides that. It's a genuine third option offensively. I think, look, maybe Brooklyn have some concerns defensively, but I think um, KD will buy in defensively once once the, the big games come to town in the playoffs. Um, Kyrie's not a fantastic defender, but he can he can be an average defender with buy-in. And Harden obviously is a poor defender, but we can get some buy-in for him. So, I just I just don't see it from Brooklyn's point of view. So, we'll we'll continue to see, watch that space. But, you know, the what, what are we? Uh, we're with the 23rd of January Australian time, 22nd where you are. That mm-hmm. deadline's approaching for Ben Simmons, bro. <laughs> yeah. There's not a whole lot of time left to move him. So, it will be interesting to see if if they don't move him, Ben Simmons, as people have come out on record saying he will absolutely not report to Philly under any circumstances. If there's a little bit of a budge in that or if he just sits out and takes the toys out of the cot and doesn't play basketball again this season, I think that's a shit show of a situation. All right, moving on. Alex Caruso, Grayson Allen, foul pro. Give me your thoughts. Oh, man. You know, this fucking guy can't get out of harm's way. I'll tell you what, with that, with this fuck, these cheap shots, you know, uh, Grayson Allen's been one of those guys back from his Duke days being a little bit nutty to, you know, with all these cheap shots, taking guys' legs out and stuff. It was a hard foul. It, it was an unnecessary foul, but it was one of those things. It was in the heat of the game. It looked to me that he was just trying to make a play on the ball and then he swiped down and grabbed him or whatever and shot, you know, sort of like propelled him down to the ground. I don't know, man. It's a hard foul, but. The problem is, it's like your reputation is like your credit rating. It never fucking goes away. And he does not have a good reputation. So, you have to take the fact that his past, you, you can't really give this guy the benefit of the doubt. He's a cheap shot out of us at heart. He's a hard player. He's done a lot in the last couple of years to sort of, you know, like earn his spot in the NBA and, and stay here and be a very good player. But... I think it was a little bit of a dirty play, but you know, it's funny. I read a tweet by a friend of mine, Mike Hall, who's a ex, ex NBA player played overseas. And he said, all those guys who applauded like McHale uh, for like clothesline and Kurt Rambis in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Now is trying to call for this guy's head. I mean, you want to toughen the game up hard fouls and you're okay with it. But again, the guy broke his wrist. He's out a well, while. Thing. So it just got announced. Yeah, yeah. Not long ago. Credit to Caruso. I mean, he went a little hard in the press conference, but he would have known his wrist was broken or close to, and he, he was pretty tame, you know, most guys knowing that you're probably going to be out a while. Probably would have went much harder. That is why, you know, the coach of the Bulls, um, Donovan, came out pretty hard. I think they knew at that point that we're losing this kid for a while in Caruso with injury. But you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think the reputation of Grayson Allen is what what is what he's done him in. If this was a guy that committed that foul that had not that reputation, I don't think we'd be talking about it as much. I really don't. I think it was a hard foul. Um, I think he got ball at the start, then he got arm. The second motion swipe with his other hand is what what made it look way worse than it was. And look, Caruso was going to fall either way. So, he was in some trouble. There's a rule you don't want to get dunked on. So, Grayson Allen was probably frustrated, didn't want to get dunked on, fouled hard. And I think his name is what's what's put this over the top. I, I really believe if this was Joe Ingles or, you know, someone that's got good, pretty good sportsmanship about him for the most part, that, that's pretty well liked and isn't dirty. I, I don't think it would be as, as blatant. But, yeah, he's got form, man. Um, and that's form. You know, like you said, credit rating, it, play, it plays into – it plays into the penalties the NBA give you. I think the NBA is now saying they're going to look into it further, into the flagrant. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets a game or two for it and they just try to stamp it out and, and give him a warning, you know, a hard warning with game suspension. Be like, dude, you've you've got four, man. You need to chill out. And like I said, I, if this wasn't Grayson Allen, I'd be like, look, that's a hard foul. It's unfortunate. You can never judge the result of a foul per suspension, in my opinion. I don't like that rule because if I hard foul you and you fall down and you're 
tougher and everything's good and you get straight back up and then someone else I hard foul someone else the same way and then they break their arm leg whatever it's kind of not fair to judge upon that you got to judge upon the actions but yeah I think look they Grayson Allen needs to wake up and needs to stop with it not only that now He's gonna he's gonna cop some cheap shots along the way, I think, you know. No, oh, yeah, no doubt about it. It's it is what it is, folks, but fuck. Like <laughs> this guy can't get out of harm's way. You know, it just yeah, it, his reputation, it's just he's always gonna be like, you know, it's just always gonna be fucking you're always gonna look to his past. It's just you never he's the Harvey Weinstein of fucking cheap shots, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Wow, I'm going to get some uh, hate mail for that one. No, it's good. I love it. I love the hate mail. Bring it. Oh, God. I'm going to go to hell for that one. But um, it hurts the balls, man. You know, Caruso's an yeah, integral part of their bench unit, one of their best defenders. And they're, they're, they're hitting a bit of that that Warriors lull, you know. Um, they're, they're struggling a little bit. They've, they've lost some games as well. So, they're still okay, obviously. But they're, you know, it's that grinding time. And a Caruso is a perfect player to have in these times of of, of, of that the dog days of the season because he'll come off the bench with energy no matter what. So, Dude, you need them. Like, I'm a big Bulls fan. Like, I, I like what they did in the offseason. They've got Levine's out for a while with his knee. You know, they got Ball who's out for a while with his knee. You know, now you got him with a wrist, you know, Vucevic and DeMar DeRozan they're carrying it over there and they're doing a good job they got decent role players Kobe White's back but you know you can't lose your starting point guard and your you know your best scorer and now you're losing your best like you know second unit guy you know or, or starter too I'm sorry Crusoe like your energy guy like that's you know right now they're like first or second in the east and this is going to take a big you know for the next month or six weeks they're going to be they're going to be a little shorthanded Creating with this water. stuff yeah. I mean they're four and six yeah. in the last ten pro so they, yeah, they, they, were clear, they were clear number one and, and now it's it's their rotations are out of whack you, you, you know all you need is one COVID case for someone else Damar or someone and yeah. and you're in some shit you, 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 you know and they I mean the 28 at six and 16 they're only you know, a game and a half out of fourth and, and two and a half games out of fifth. So they could, you know, those guys could come back. They could potentially be seven, eight, nine in the East. The East is is, is very, very close from, you know, one to seven, essentially. It's three and a half games, Charlotte in seven to first. So very, very close. We'll watch that space. But yeah, I mean, people forget this whole Grayson Allen thing and all that is, is what this does for the Bulls now. It's going to cause a bit of a problem with their rotations. Dane Lillard at Pro has came out and said, or his people or the leak has come out and said that um, if they're not pushing for the playoffs, he's not going to he's not going to push his rehab to, to make it back on time. So he's I think he's out for the season pretty much. But they're, look, they're 10 right now, bro. <laughs> so maybe his PR leak or whoever leaked it should have, should have said, oh, well, Planes don't count. It has to be a solid. <laughs> has to be a solid playoff spot. We're only talking one take. None of that nine ten bullshit. And they're they're, yeah. they're in clear ten. They've got a lock on ten right now, pro. They're, they're number ten, and they're two games ahead of the Sacramento Kings in eleven. I have no faith in them moving up. New Orleans in twelve, and then San Antonio. You know, a, th- a three. What is that? Uh, two and a half games as well. So I don't see any of those uh-huh. teams below. Maybe San Antonio still could could get some wins together. They've been hot and cold. New Orleans maybe. Sacramento. I have no confidence in. So I think they. I think they'll be a playing team. Portland will. It'd be interesting to see if, if Dame sticks by his word and if there is a asterisk that it has to be playoffs, not playing. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. I think the leak should have clarified a little bit better. You know, it, to be a good leak, you know, you got to be you got to be a little bit more. You got to have a better clarification when, when you're trying to have a guy sit out, you know, how, how they're going to sit out or not sit out. I agree with you. I think he's out for the year. I, I don't think they're not really going to compete. And I, I just don't see any dog in fighting them. I like Norman Powell, a couple other guys, you know, but they don't really have it, in my opinion. 
to really push. You know, maybe McCollum back doing something. Simons is playing well. But, you, you know, it's just they're circling the drain. You know it's going to happen. They're either going to sign, you know, they're either going to sign Dame and, you know, sign him long-term, whatever. But, like, they're about five moves away but from being really competitive. And, you know, I think that they're – they're they're knocking on the door of just sort of like blowing the thing up. I don't know what they do. Like I don't know what they're gonna do. But I don't I don't see this guy. I don't see this guy coming back this year. And then they're gonna have to really have some really really serious strong conversations in the next couple of months of what they're gonna do going forward. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's, it's been a tough year for Paul and the injuries. They've had new coach and all that kind of stuff. So just a, a small tidbit. But we're gonna we, we could have a new segment, um, Pro. We could call it. The Moron Article of the Week, something along those lines. Feedback from fans, let us know if you have a good name for our, basically an article that we see on the NBA beat or basketball beat that is just absolutely stupid and that probably shouldn't have even been printed or how it got the green light to be printed. So we'll just call it Moron Article of the Week for today. But Pro, you sent me this. So our first Moron Journalist of the Week is Lee Escobedo. He has written an article. <laughs> now, don't, uh, don't shoot the messenger, people. Don't shoot the messenger, but the headline, the Dallas Mavericks are consistently white in a black league. Why? Question mark. That is a fucking headline in this article, right? This guy goes back to actually give us percentages in, of 2000. And, in 2020, the NBA was 74.2% black and 16.9% white. Seems every decade, the white NBA players become less relevant. Yet one franchise often kept the dreams of mediocre white guys alive, the Dallas Mavericks. In 15 of the last 21 Mavs seasons, there were three or more white players on a 12-man active roster. In more than half of those 15 seasons, there were at least four players, not to mention at least two starting white players. The Mavericks, in a literal sense, do not look like the rest of the league. He then goes on to say, you know, Mark Cuban supported Black Lives Matter, blah, 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 blah. Cite Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, Luka Doncic. They didn't draft Trey Young because, could it be because he's black? Um, that they, this is in the article, man. Bro, like the fact that this guy actually went back and would have had to do a stat muse on skin color for the last <laughs> 20 seasons in, of the Mavs existence, that in one thought is just mind-boggling to me. Like, oh, oh there's there's a few, a few white guys on that team. Let me research the last 20 years of how many white guys they had on the roster and give you a, a ratio percentage-wise. Pro, what the, what the hell is going on, man? What is this? First of all, did this guy write this fucking thing in crayon? And then secondly, was he fucking absent the, the day they taught writing in writing school. I mean, this is the most moronic fucking article. The Guardian should rename themselves as the Moronian because this is the worst fucking article I've ever read in my fucking life about anything NBA related. It had no, no substance at all. This guy's trying to like make a name for himself or, you know, trying to like start this thing up by saying the Mavs are racist without saying they're racist. Mark Cuban will give his left and right nut to win a championship. It doesn't matter if the players are white, black, red, green. Like the moves he makes has nothing to do with anything except trying to win. Now, you can make bad moves for sure. But like the the wording of some of this stuff a bit by saying like the, these white players were the centerpieces of these deals that went bad and they weren't even all deals. They were like, you know, they weren't all trade. It's just like the guy was, it was the dumbest article I ever fucking read. I got dumber fucking reading it. And like, he should be embarrassed. Like, and, and who the fuck is, who the fuck is his editor? Seriously, Mr. Fucking Magoo? I don't know who the fuck the guy's editor was when they got this article and said, this is going to be good to put on our fucking website. It was just, it, it, it had no fucking substance to it at all. 
And it was just like they like taking white players and he even goes know, on to say hired. not even good white players. He said, he said in the article, yeah, like it's just fucking stupid. Not even good white players. He's referenced right, and you're just like, dude, like what are you what are you doing? Does it take this guy three hours to watch sixty minutes? I mean, how fucking bright are you to write a fucking article like this? It's obvious you tr- what you're trying to do. You're trying to like get it picked up, and then Mark Spears will pick it up, and then this guy will pick it up. But, like, I'm glad that finally people have fucking brains in their heads and be like, come on, dude, seriously. This is a fucking, this is what, this is what you're putting out there. It is this the Guardian, is what you're putting bro. out there. So, we have to, it is a Guardian. We have to take it with a grain of salt. But, the, like you said, the fact that this went down the line and actually got approved by an editor and a sub-editor and then someone approved to print it. He then goes on in the article to actually quote US census statistics about the Dallas's population with skin, yeah, come on. referred to skin color. Now, I assume this guy is going to be the beacon of social justice and anti-racism and we're all against – I think he's a racist. I, I think the fact that you, you in your head – saw an NBA team playing on TV, you in your head counted, oh, shit, there's there's three white players on there at the court at the same time. Let me check how many white players are on this roster. You then would have went to their website, checked which guys are white, which guys are black. Then you've come up with a, a beautiful ratio percentage-wise of, of, of black to white. And then you've actually gone back and researched their last 20 years in the league and, and counted black versus white. Like, you would have fit in really well in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, Mr. Lee. So, Mr. Lee, whatever your name was, um, I don't even want to remember your name because it's just uh, Lee Escobedo. I mean, it's just, it's just absolutely horrendous. And, and and I will guarantee you this guy's for the cause, social justice, everyone's equal, and, and he's out there putting out this shit. So, just absolutely mind-boggling. I love that he took a census. I just took a census of a moronic writers in the media, and it just went up by one. So, <laughs> c- congratulations, you asshole. So, if you want to get angry people, listeners, read that article. If you want to laugh, read that article. But that's that's what we're dealing with, the fact that-, that And, and I, I would argue that people will say, oh, why even bother bringing it up? I think we need to push back against this kind of shit because it, it should not be okay. And when people write this shit, yes, they should. They should be no violence, no, 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 no physical harm, but they should be almost bullied not to write this shit again because that is just it has no place in our society, in my opinion. Um, I'm, I'm often right, I'm often wrong, but I, I just I saw that and I was like, I thought it was a parody when I first read it. I thought, is this the Onion? And then I saw it was the Guardian, and it was legit pro. So anyhow. That's our that's our bad rant. But if you want the want us to find the moron article of the week, or you want to send them through, feel free at our socials. We'd uh, definitely love to see them. And I think it's pretty easy to find one, probably on a on a minute to minute basis these days, pro, especially when it comes to the NBA. Yeah, this guy might be a repeat offender, so you know I wouldn't have this guy teaching kindergarten right Maybe now. Maybe we'll get him on the pod, pro. He can better explain his um. Well, shit, we have we, we yeah we only have two white guys on the pod though, pro. We might be in yeah, trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Well, us. With the 100%, yeah, 100% ratio. <laughs> yeah, I'm prejudiced too. I'm, I'm prejudiced against moronic writers. Mm, yeah, exactly. Uh, NBL, just a quick wrap here on this end, Pro. Melbourne United are balling. They're at, uh, I think, seven straight wins at the moment. They are. Credit where it's, where it's due. I didn't have them in my top four. I thought they were, they were an import short. I thought Dahlia would take a while to, to adapt. I knew they'd win some games, but I didn't think they'd be this good this early. Well, old machine playing very, very well. They have an import spot up their sleeve too, Pro. I'm not sure if they'll be able to use it with all the coronavirus call-ups and, and deep rosters we're seeing in the in the NBA right now, but that's starting to slow down a little bit, so someone might pop up, but they do have a roster, uh, an import in their pocket, which is you know, the way they're playing, they're first in the NBL at the moment. It could really put them over the top. So, they, they have a, every chance in the world of going back to back. They're playing well. Sydney Kings pro flashes. We just can't finish games. We, um, 
you know, a mirror image of a first quarter to fourth quarter last game at Brisbane. Played really good in the first quarter. Fourth quarter was the exact opposite. I think they were actually mirrored 31 to 15 quarter time score and then they were 31 to 15 against us in the fourth. So, we just, um, we show flashes. Uh, we're struggling to put it all together. Have had some injuries. We can't, can't, you know, make that an excuse, but we have had some injuries along the way. And as I said on the Q&A, it doesn't help when your best player gets thrown out in the first six minutes of a game with a quick double T from an official who just has no feel for a basketball game pro. And, um, I actually referenced to our GM, Chris Pongrass. I was watching the Denver versus, who was it against? Denver versus the Clippers. I don't know if you saw that game pro, but um, Jokic took a shot, missed, got his own rebound. His defender fell over on the floor and then kind of hit Jokic as he put it back up. So it should have been an and one. And Jokic kind of half fell over him, put the ball in the basket, and he went straight at the ref like abused the shit out of him, got a tee and Malone had to run in and grab Jokic and Jokic wanted to keep going at the referee. The referee was smart enough to know, I'm going to remove myself from this situation. I'm going to go to the scorer's bench and announce the foul, the technical foul, removed himself. And by the time he came and turned back around, they'd calm Jokic down and it was done, right? And I think that's a, that's a very, very good referee, right? Remove yourself from the situation. If Jokic then continues to follow you to the scorer's bench and abuses you and he's in your face, no problem. Double technical foul. But give him, you've just teed him up. You've probably made a bad call. You've just teed him up. Give him a 10 second grace period to let out a little bit more steam. Fuck, 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 fuck. Whatever you want to do. And then turn around again. And then if he's still going, by all means, you you do what you got to do, right? And that was the clip that I said, hey, I think we should send this in. And I think it'd be a great, a useful piece of, of learning for the NBL referees because you, you don't want to see guys get two quick tees and, and thrown out in the first quarter. You, no. pay good, you pay good money to see the best players. Fans want to see the best go battle battle to battle. And that was just something that, that I just picked up on that was frustrating for, from a senior Kings point of view, Pro. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like with referees, I think they got to do a better job at, you know, not being so emotional about these things. Unless it's really grossly disrespectful. I think like you said, like that guy did a, I, I didn't see the play, but from how you described it, you know, he, he removed himself from it. He understood this guy's really mad. Let me just sort of do my thing here. If he's coming at me again, I, it's an easy tech. It's an easy second one. But like remove yourself from it, communicate a little bit, you know, and communicate with the player a little bit, have those conversations. That's why those old school refs back in the day were so much better than a lot of the refs today because they talked to the player. They understood. They, you know, they could carry on that conversation and communicate why they made the calls they made. But now they're just so quick to tee guys up and do all this. And obviously in your game, you know, it was, I guess they had a little bit of that, that uh, hijinks. Yeah, you just got to, you just got to, I mean, just have a a poise about you as a referee. You got to understand that I'm going to make a bad call as a referee. Um, players are going to make bad play sometimes, and there's a balance. But you don't want to, you know, you just. I just don't think you can have a quick trigger on a double T. Like I said, if if you you get that first T, give them ten seconds move on with life. But anyway, that's the Sydney Kings and then Adelaide, you know, very deep roster at the moment. They're still struggling to find some form. They've had some coronavirus issues. They're in a state that has, uh, I think their 15 minute close contact rule in their state pro. Um, So, you know, they've, I don't know what they've done in the States, but they've now said you're a close contact if you're four hours in the same room with a, with a positive or some shit like that. Whereas Mm -hmm. I think this state is 15 minutes. So it's basically wherever you go, you're a close contact and they're having a lot of players having to self isolate for seven days if they get caught up in, um, in an environment with a close contact. So that has caused them some issues. They've got a rookie head coach, but they have a very deep roster. So they've been struggling. So I'm interested to see if if they, uh, if they get back on track, but that's, that's all the NBL route we have right now. It's, um, Good to have games back on TV, um, back with with the coronavirus um, kind of 
case peak at the moment in Australia. It's just good to have games back on on TV. But let's move on to stats and get this thing wrapped up so our good people can can focus on going to work or whatever they're doing. I've got some good ones this week, Pro. Did a lot of lot of digging, a lot of hard work to find these ones, Pro. But uh, Devin Booker is shooting 62.5% in the clutch, Pro. He's 45.5% from three. And the Suns are 15 and three in clutch games. Useful or useless? Yeah, it's useful. I mean, the guy... I know when I was in Dallas, it seemed like every game at Dallas, this guy fucking torched us in the last minute where he just like would make every buzzer beater close to buzzer beater. Yeah, it says a lot about him. He's got ice water in his veins. He's he's a really good player. And um, yeah, I think it's very useful. What do you think, Bob? Yeah, he was 400%. You know, and then Chris Paul's up there as well on clutch points, a clutch plus minus, I think. So yeah, but Devin Booker's, he's becoming that closer. He's boarding defensively. I love everything he's done. I mean, he's he's a, he's a star for their team and I've enjoyed watching him play. So hopefully he can continue in that direction. Next one, the Bucks are 18 and three this season pro when they're big three play. Useful or useless? Very useful. I mean, I, I've had, I have Middleton on my uh, multiple fantasy teams and he's fucking me on many <laughs> occasions with being out. So, but I, I think with those three guys playing, you know, I, I think with Holiday and, and Greek Freak and Giannis and, uh, and Middleton playing, they're really tough to stop because their role players are so good. You know, they got so many good players that just know how to play. They're tough. The problem is when one if or multiple of those top three guys are out, it's really hard for those guys to compete. And let's not forget, they, they haven't had Lopez most of the season too. So, you know, he's been out with injury. So it's, uh you know, they've struggled. They struggle coming out of the gate. But when these guys play together, I think they're a different type of team. I mean, obviously, they're an NBA championship team and, you know, missing one, if not multiple players from that group really puts them in harm's way, especially how good the East is this year. I think it's a lot, obviously, it's a lot better than years past. So, you know, I think uh, I think it's harder for those guys to compete, you know, at the level they want to. What do you think? Yeah, it's, it's useful. It just shows you have your full roster on the floor and you're a good team. You're going to win more games than not, and that's you know the, the, their record's been up and down early on in the season. But you look at that 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 stat when they're all healthy, they're big three, they're, they're winning games. So healthy is very very important. All right, Russell Westbrook has a higher field goal percentage this season than one very big name superstar pro. Do you know who that is? No, I don't. Steph Curry. No shit. Mm. So, so, so no see, see how crazy that is perception wise. Yeah. Because you know Russ has a bad rap. Look, Steph's not one of those guys that. Um, generally has those kind of years with, with with poor shooting form constantly, right? But perception's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, it's you'd think Russell Westbrook, you know, was responsible for nuking the world at times the way NBA fans carry on. But yeah, Steph Curry apparently, according that's according to StatMuse, has a has a lower field goal percentage than Russ Westbrook. Useful or useless? Obviously, it's useless, but it's um it definitely because I think obviously Westbrook's field goal percentage is because He's not a really good shooter and he's got bad shot selection. And I think obviously, you know, Steph is the best shooter of all time with a very bad shot selection. And I think it, it sometimes, especially without Green and without, you know, without Thompson, he's got to take a lot of tough shots and he's had a lot of stinkers this year with, you know, with shooting numbers. Now he'll still put up his points and he'll do his thing, but he's had some really bad, some really bad shooting nights, but- uh, 43.3, 43.3 for Russ and 42 for Steph. Very shocking to hear that though, you you would think. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Though? That's why I thought it was just, I was like, I, I, I was like no way, that's that's right. But we trust that news, we trust the boys there, they're, they're very good people. And I was like, wow, it just tells you, you know, the perception of 
no one's really talking about that with Steph because, you know, like you said, it's different circumstances, but numbers are numbers. You know, everyone loves analytics and numbers and field goal percentage and this and that, but Russell Westbrook has a higher one than Steph. So, I think it's useful just from a perception point of view with sometimes we, we hate on Russell a little bit too much. Um, he's still still not shooting that bad. Next one, Facundo Campazzo is minus 234 <laughs> this season, pro. He has the worst plus minus on a 500 team in the league. The next worst is a minus 111 away from him. Useful or useless? Uh, pretty useful. You know, it, well, I don't know. I'm not a big plus minus guy, but minus 234. And they're over 500 as a team. You know, usually you see that on a, on a team that's, you know, Detroit or, you know, um, OKC yeah. or New Orleans or something. But they're, they're you know, <laughs> above 500, like. Pretty tough to do. Oh, fuck yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, at some point, it's not the it's not the coach putting you in with bad lineups. <laughs> no, minus two thirty four. I mean, I think that plus minus is completely overrated how we evaluate players. But I will say this: there are outliers. Minus two thirty four versus minus whatever one whatever that number was that second best mm. the second worst. That does tell you something that, yeah. Composite, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not uh, a big fan of uh, plus minus neither. I think yeah. that you need a big sample size. Like you can't do it with guys that play spot minutes or, but I think, you know, for starters that are playing 30 plus, it can have a little bit of a help. But if, you, if you're judging plus minus on, you know, minus this, minus that for guys that are playing 10 minutes a game, that's, that's pretty unfair in my opinion because there's so many variables that can go in. You could be playing with your star one night and then the next night you're playing, you know, coaches put the whole bench on because you're up 50, you know. So, it's just one of those things. Yeah, that's that's a pretty interesting interesting stat. But I would say it's useful. I mean, it, it does tell you that, you know, he has some issues obviously – on, you know, on some side of the ball that's really impacting the team in some type of way. So, I mean, I, I loved him in Europe. I mean, playing for Real Madrid, playing for, fun to watch. you know, national. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember watching him hit half-court shots to the buzzer. Like, the guy, he's like a J.J. Barea. And how that's how he impacts the game in Europe. And he just attacks, attacks, attacks. And the NBA plays a little different. But um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the kid. The kid's got balls as, you know, as, as big as coconuts. I mean, he's... Guys, uh, guys, a really fun player to watch. But it's interesting though that that's um, minus two thirty four versus minus one eleven. That's that's pretty eye opening. Very much so. Last one, your Celtics pro were leading by eleven points with seven minutes left against the Portland Trailblazers. They didn't score a basket the rest of the way, and Portland are the third worst defensive team in the NBA. Pro, useful, useless. It's useful. I mean, it just goes to show you. Now, any given night, you could have a, a, a bad night. I don't know if you could have a bad night with, se- you know, uh, not scoring a basket in seven minutes. But it just goes to show you where Boston is, this team throughout the year, that they've got a big problem that they got to fix. And, you know, it, it's not going to be one little thing that fixes it. It's not going to be a sign that you hang in your locker room. It's not going to be one player that you bring in. It's not going to be a different assistant coach that you hire. It, it, it's you got to look yourself in the mirror up and down and it's a big problem. I think it's a very useful stat in this situation. If it's many other teams, if this was like Dallas or something like that, I would say it's useless. But the Celtics have been like this all year, more than this year. But yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's useful as far as Boston just so erratic, man. They they could, like I said, they can beat earlier. They can beat someone that's really good, and then and then lose to Portland. I mean, the the eye popping thing is Portland's 
not known as a defensive power in the NBA by any means, you know. So, to not be able to score seven straight minutes is hard to do. You know, if you look at it as like playing against the Phoenix or a Golden State with a really good defense, you're like, oh, I can I can understand that to an extent. But Portland just solidifies that they got, they got some issues there that they need to fix, as, as, as I've said numerous times in this pod. So, um, I think it's useful. What do you got? Fact or fake news? Philly Day, is it? Philly Day. Philly Day. I'm going to start off by it's going to be all Philadelphia. First off, does Joel Embiid have a legitimate chance for MVP? Just let me read you off his last, I don't know, like 10 games. 12 and 2, 40, 13 and 6. Averaging, you know, in that, I believe in the regular season, he's averaging 29, 39 from the three, averaging 10 rebounds, four assists. He's up there. Does he have a legitimate chance for MVP? He has a legitimate chance. I think fact. I think what hurts him is he missed some time early on. I think he's missed two bouts with coronavirus, I believe. He's played 34 games to this point. Um, so, he's missed a little bit of games. And I think Philly's in there. They're in the mix. Um, they're, they're, tw- they're 26 and 19 right now. So, what's that? 45 games. So, he's missed 11 games. They're in the mix. That's the important thing. They're, they're in the top six right now in the East. They can, they're three games away from first, as I mentioned earlier. They could easily make a surge here. A couple of teams fall out. The Bulls could potentially fall out, as we've said. I think he's a legitimate chance. I think he's top three. I've got him at the moment. I've got Jokic up there and Giannis. Um, I think Luca's floating in there somewhere, but Luca's missed some time. Steph was up there, but he's obviously fallen out the last season. And and sorry, the other one I have is Kevin Durant. Um, he'd be rounding out my top four. So I think he's in the mix. I, th- I think it's a close year this year. I really do. I think it's closer than it has been in the last couple of seasons. I, I think he's if he stays healthy the rest of this season with those numbers of the last ten games, I think he's probably top two. Yeah, and they'll, they'll have a chance to get through. But it's there's, there's just so many guys that are. A good old, you can't, you can't. We've 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 sung Jokic's praises. He doesn't get enough pub considering he won it last year. People just have forgotten about him. His numbers are even better than that. Giannis is is starting to surge again, and KD's KD. But now KD's injuries going to throw us in the works. He he falls out a little bit, right? He probably goes down to four or five somewhere there. So if Embiid stays healthy, I think I've got it out of Embiid, Giannis, and Jokic if they're all healthy. If KD can get back sooner than later and put up some 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 big numbers again, he can sneak back in. But I have those as my top three at the moment. Yeah, NBA international, baby. They must be they must be happy as hell. I mean, they're like you know every every way you look at international players competing for an MVP, it's it's pretty uh pretty special, man. Yeah, and the Luke yeah. is in there as well. So you know. Probably not yet, um, but he's he's in the mix. He's in the 10. So, yeah, a lot of international players doing good things. What do you got? Are you fact or fake news on that? I'm fact. I'm fact. I think he, I think he could win the MVP. I think he's got a legitimate chance just because he, he's new blood. Those guys are winning if they could. What's going to fuck him is if they don't get a Simmons trade done. You know, because if they don't get a Simmons mm, trade, they him. literally have. Yeah, they literally have this player sitting on the bench. They're not getting one second. Max player, bro. Not just a player. Like he's eating up. Yeah. Eating up. A lot of your cap and he's a franchise tag guy on your team. It's not like you're, you know, if it was Tobias Harris, like really good second tier star, you get it. But like, or this is like one of your mainstays, man. Like, and he's still, he's still carrying this team to 26 to 19. That's impressive. The people at Philadelphia on trade day should come with torches and the, should come like like the Frankenstein movies and they should just like storm, they should storm their facility and say, look, you got to trade this guy or <laughs> something's got to happen. 
something's gonna happen. Probably made bad references with the whole you know torch and yeah, storm you thing. Be but these I'll, days. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to hell anyway. But I met it on a Frankenstein movie. You know, reference out the not other. A, not but, a KKK movie. <laughs> oh fuck no 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 no! I got enough problems in my life. I don't need another one. But. What I'm saying is both they gotta like they gotta move the guy because look, they're playing really well without him, but they just can't beat teams consistently higher than them without it. And you're wasting another year of Embiid, of a healthy, dominating Embiid season. And at some point, Embiid's gonna say, Get me the fuck out yeah, of here. Yeah, we said that at the start you of know, the year. At what point does Embiid yeah. say, Holy shit, like fucking get me some help? But I would love to see then pick up a piece and then get Brooklyn in the playoffs because I think it's that's a that's a series that speaking on our Q and A about polar opposites. That's two teams that are polar opposite. You've got super small yeah. ball Nash, three scorers that can all handle the ball against mm-hmm. know, a, a legit seven one seven two guy who will just put you in the basket. It's like who does Brooklyn put on him, and then who do who do Philly put on those other guys? So I'd love to see yeah. that at some point in, in the playoffs. So hopefully that matchup works out with both of them healthy. I think it'd be just from a chess perspective like. You know, one team goes big, one goes small. I'd love to see that, but we will watch this space. Okay, second, Sixers will trade for James Harden. Now, we spoke on this before, but what what are, what are your thoughts Fake on- Fake news right will now. Will they trade? I, I just don't yeah. see why Brooklyn would do that. I mean, I think the, I think the question is, will, will, would the Sixers do it? No brainer. But I, I just don't see Brooklyn. I think that's fake news. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know why you do that. If you're, you're all in, if you're Brooklyn, like you said earlier, you're all in to try and win the chip and you move him off that roster. I don't think, I think Ben's helping him defensively. I don't think he's helping him offensively. So I'll fake news that one, bro. Yeah, me too. The only way that they're going to trade you James Harden is if you trade him Embiid. You know, they're not going to trade you Simmons. That's when, like, when you're not self-aware of what you really have on your roster and the real value of, you know, Ben Simmons. Like, no one's giving you James Harden, one of the top 10 players in the league for Ben Simmons. And even on his best day, Ben Simmons isn't a top 10 player. So, like, they're not trading you that guy they absorb the Tobias Harris dealing that as well, Brooklyn? Or would it have to be some some more throw-ins? Because what I'm thinking out loud, would they would they then say, all right, if you take a bad contract that we think we have, which Tobias isn't the greatest contract, they'd have to throw in something else from Brooklyn. But you know, I know yeah. I know Philly are, I know Philly are looking at trying to move him possibly in a in a Simmons deal that's been reported as well. It'll be really close. If they threw Tobias's deal in with Simmons, you know, Ben's like what, like thirty million or so? Yeah. And then, you know, Tobias is about twenty. So now you're at fifty so now you're gonna have to go. You could take on like sixty-two million dollars in salary, or you can take as low as like thirty-eight million dollars in salary. I think you got to get plus minus twenty-five percent. In mm-hmm. my, I, I'm almost positive. So you could definitely absorb it. They could do it, but like in my opinion, like I said, they're gonna deal Simmons because they need something now. They're not gonna trade you Embiid. They're not gonna take Simmons and Harris from you. They're not. In my opinion, it just doesn't make any sense. The move they're going to make is going to put Harris in the deal, you know, to dump his salary, to go after Harden and free agency and trying to build something around, you know, I don't care if it's some, I think they're going to try to go with Sacramento to get Fox, Harrison Barnes, Fox, and something else for Simmons. And then, they, then they're going to turn around and try to do, you know, if they can get off Tobias's deal, now you come back with Fox, you know, you got Fox, you get Embiid. I'm not a huge Fox guy. I think, you know, I think he puts up numbers, but I don't think he's a winning player yet. He hasn't showed me that he can impact winning, but he is talent. He's young. So you get Fox, you'll have something else, maybe Buddy Hield, 
you know, Harrison Barnes, a combination of that, Halliburton maybe. And then now, and then you try to do, if you get off Harris's deal, then you try to do, you try to take James Harden free agency. And, you know, Daryl Smart, he'll, he'll renounce guys. He'll, he'll get off contracts. He'll do anything that he can to try to get the guy. He will not trade for him, but I think he'll try to pick him up in free agency. Yeah, fair enough. We'll watch that. But, I mean, maybe just to finish that off, maybe Brooklyn, maybe Brooklyn do say, "Shit, we're going to lose James next season, and we have a chance to get Ben and Tobias in a package, or you know, whatever it is." Maybe, they, maybe they, maybe they bulk, but I, I just don't see it. Like, I think I don't think KD and Kyrie, well, not that Kyrie would have too much to say right now, but KD would that that, that they'd want to keep their roster as is. I think they think they think they're tooled pretty well to to win a chip. So. Next one. Last but very much not least, do you think Doc Rivers Doc Rivers will be coaching the 76ers next season? Fact or fake news? I think fact. I mean, what what he's got another year left on his deal, right? He did a, did it four year, three year, four year? Yeah, I think he's got at least one, maybe mm. if not two. I think yeah, I think he's back. I think uh, what, are you really going to get someone that's going to put you over the top right now? They've they've had a they've had a COVID interrupted season again. They're hot and cold. I mean, his press conference that you sent me wasn't wasn't too good when he got asked about <laughs> if he lost them the game <laughs> coaching wise. And then he straight away in reference Pop, which was interesting in, in itself. He said, "Would you ask Pop that question?" That was pretty pointed in a way. But um, yeah, I think he'll be there. I, I don't think well, who else who else are you going after unless they have someone shortlisted. I know we know Daryl likes to play a certain way though, so there probably could be some inklings that he might might try to find one of those new analytics small super small ball. Even more threes than we shoot today, guys. But uh, I don't think so. I don't think you're getting. My, I think Doc's a good coach, and I think he'll. Um, fact. Uh, uh, sorry, fake news. Fact. 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 Ugh. Sorry. Fact. <laughs> He's going to be coaching the yeah. 76ers next season. I say fake news, and I don't think they're going to get rid of him. I mean, Doc Rivers is one of the best coaches in the league in, in his own doing his own thing. Presence of players, respect from players. You know, just sort of. Been through a lot of battles, won a championship. I think the Lakers are going to come after him strong. Oh wow. Yeah, he's an LA guy. There aren't many guys that can coach and and sort of like get the most out of LeBron James in the whole league. There aren't many guys that could do it. I don't care how smart you are, how many plays you can draw up. Doc Rivers is one of the best I've ever seen at being able to get and relate to players, get to players, and sort of like not back down to players. And I think that um the Lakers are the Lakers are gonna get rid of Vogel. You know that, you know, regardless if he if he deserves it or not. I think they're going to go after Doc Hard. He owns a, I think he owns a place in Malibu. He's been in LA a long time with the Clippers. I think that to get a chance to coach LeBron James, West Coast, especially if this whole Ben Simmons thing doesn't work itself out, he might have a better chance of winning a championship with a healthy Philly team. But being in LA, they'll pay him whatever he wants. I think that he, I think they're going to go after him hard. There aren't many coaches that they can get, and. I think that Daryl Morey won't put up that much of a fight, even though I think he values Doc. But I think if Doc really wants to go, not that he wants to go right now, but I think in the offseason, depending on how this thing finishes out, I think that LA is going to offer him a shit ton of money. And they're going to just basically give him whatever he wants to stay and to go. And I think he's going to go, in my opinion. That's me. You think he'll just just come to an agreement or an opt-out with Philly? or you think- Yeah, I think that maybe you have to give him a second-round pick or something like that. But I think that, like, if he really wants to go, but at the end of the day, if he's like, fuck, like, I get to be in L.A., I get to make, I don't know, $11 million a year, whatever it's going to be. You know, they're going to give me this. I get to live in L.A., I've been out there. I've got a lot. I had a wife out there for a long time. I think I'm. I, this is what I want to do. He's got and three years left, bro. He's got three years. Yeah. Just, just looked it up. Twenty-two. I thought it was two. 
23, 24, yeah. 24, 25. And then he's, yeah. he's a uh, you know, he's obviously a free agent in 25. So he's got three years after this season. So that'd be. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think the Lakers go after him really tough and really hard. And, and to coach a team, like you said, it's one of the most popular franchises in pro sports. Being able to do that, go to LA, make a shitload of money. You know, I don't know if you want to coach that shit show. Now that's a different thing, but I think they're going to come after him hard and they're going to spend as much money. They, you can't go after. What's on their bench in in LA? You can't. Their their assistants aren't good enough. Who's the guy that coached in Memphis? There, um, fuck. What's the guy's name that said uh, take this for data? Uh, fuck. He was a Miami Heat assistant for a long time. Uh, my my mind's oh, going to uh, shit. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. So like, the, he ain't the answer. The, the, you know, the, the, the Phil Handy's not the answer. The, the, there's no Mike Penworthy's not the answer. Like, no offense to those guys, but they need somebody, not that's boys with the guy, you know, boys at LeBron. They need somebody who's going to coach him and somebody who's going to, like, have law and order there and because demand respect. And, look, there are a lot of coaches in the league, and I think Frank Vogel demands your respect as far as what he knows. But as far as commanding a room, commanding a locker room, there might be two other guys just as good, if not better, than Doc Rivers in the whole league. And I think that they need that type of presence in the league, in, in that locker room, in that organization. You know, somebody who's going to not let this stuff get to them. I think that Doc Rivers is the guy. Now, look, that could be all bullshit. It could be, Philly could be like, fuck, no, you got four years left. You're staying, blah, blah, blah. But if this thing ends badly, they don't trade Simmons. You know, they don't do well in the playoffs. And Doc's, Doc's like, eh, you know what? You know, these guys are offering me $12 million a year. Let me just go. And, you know, I don't think they're going to put up a lot of a fight. Now, you know, if Houston wanted them, then obviously I think Daryl be, you know, would be different about it. But if the guy wants to go back to L.A. and if they don't go do well. Now, if they make the Easter Conference finals or the finals somehow, then maybe this doesn't do it. But if they if they lose in the first round or second round, things don't go well. They don't trade Simmons. They're dealing with that same old drama. I think he's gone, in my opinion. Yeah, fair enough. We'll watch that space. A big call, though. I mean, like, like I said, three three years left. So if you get that one right, pro, we're starting we're starting the new year off with a bang. Well, shit. I mean, I can't be any worse in picking fucking playoff games. So might as well pick like drama in the NBA. I, I've been okay at that, but I've been absolutely dreadful at picking playoff games. Uh, we're all, we all struggle with that. It's, it's a tough league to, as gamblers would know, it's a tough league to figure out. But uh, that's episode 50. Send us some balloons and some presents, people out there. Really appreciate everyone's support throughout everything going on in the world to tune in to two guys just talking shit about the NBA and the NBL and the world, world of basketball. How about sending us a, um, you know, a subscription to The Guardian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, looked, I tried to look up if I got at that guy in, in, our, uh, in our post when we post the podcast, but um, surprisingly, he doesn't have any social media profiles. Shocker. He probably does, but it'll be, it'll be a, a – what is that? standard picture they use for bots that'll be him just abusing people but uh all good thanks everyone for tuning in that's episode 50 wrapped up make sure you join us next week for our q a's on call in we usually do them every sunday morning australian time or late morning and saturday night american time starting to get a little bit of a following so the more questions the better and we will catch you next week thanks guys see you next week